Hi, I'm Laura Palatin. Welcome to the Practically Spiritual Show, where we take a practical approach to spirituality and create our own personal spiritual path. In this episode, I'm going to focus on perspective. I'm going to look at it from a lot of different angles, and we're going to explore how perspective influences our lives from the inside out, from how we see the world, and also how other people see us. This is a very powerful concept, and it can really make the difference between experiencing a happy life or a miserable one. Just shifting our perspective or recognizing other people's perspectives in situations, especially as they view us. I'm really glad that you're here for this episode. I do believe that we're in the right place at the right time to hear what we need to hear. And I also have seen the notes. So I know that there are a lot of really cool takeaways to help improve the quality of your experience of your life. So let's listen to the theme song and then we'll get right into it. Welcome to the Practically Spiritual Show. Together we will learn, laugh, and grow. Break indoctrination, rise above our nation, and so Welcome to the Practically Spiritual Show. First, I'd like to talk about how perspective influences what we see and experience in the world. When I was just four years old, my parents got divorced. For me, this was actually, I believe, a good thing. My father had his own childhood trauma, and he didn't necessarily have the tools at that point in his life to be a good parent. And his relationship with my mother was extraordinarily difficult. So moving forward in life with my mom and my brother was a lot more joyful, open, safe, environment for me to grow up in. One of the aspects of my family's divorce is that my mother needed to return to work. My dad was definitely not going to support my mom. He was on to his own life. And that brought me to daycare. Now, I know a lot of people have bad daycare situations, but I was really, really lucky. I had a wonderful caregiver. And for the most part, the other kids that I hung out with all day long were fine. There was one kid that was kind of a problem, but He was not in my orbit, even though we were in the same small house together. The best thing about daycare for me at four years old was a six-year-old named Darla. She was awesome. And she had this soft auburn hair and freckles, and she came up with the best games. I absolutely loved hanging out with Darla every single day because at four and six, we were the big kids. And she just treated me like a contemporary, and we had so much fun. She came up with this game. I honestly loved the Sunny and Cher show. And of course, at six and four, she was a lot taller than me. So her idea was that she would be Cher and I would be Sunny. Well, <laughs> I didn't want to be Sunny. Nothing against Sunny. But, you know, Cher was a goddess with that hair and everything. Oh, my gosh. So put T-shirts on our heads to pretend it was long hair. And we stood on stage okay, the back porch, and we sang our hearts out. And it was just, you know, something I looked forward to. So that year and a half was absolutely fantastic. Having had that 
experience as a very young person, I still look on women who have soft, curly auburn hair and freckles, and my heart feels connected to them, right? They have a instant in with me. Conversely, I had a terrible bully in junior high and high school. And unfortunately, this person's last name came right before mine. And all the way through junior high and high school, he sat right in front of me. And he used to turn around and tell me to shut up, that nobody wanted to hear what I had to say. He called me scag every day of my life. He made my life at school a living hell. And they couldn't figure out why I was always in the nurse's office with stomach aches. Anyway, this fellow was very large. He was on the football team. I was living in Texas, so that made him, you know, part God. And uh, through my life, I have just been terrified of big guys. He used to turn around and loom over me in my desk. And sometimes I would have my head down writing and not realize and look up and he was just looming down over me, ready to hiss some horrible insult in my way. I spent many, many years of my life being afraid of big guys. And in both instances, auburn-haired women and the large men, neither one of them had anything to do with my life before I met them. But my perspective was such that I had already formed a bond with the women and was afraid of the big men. That's how powerful perspective is. Just two little examples from my own history. It's important for us to stop when we recognize those preconceived ideas coming forward and meet a new person where they are and not bring forward what really has nothing to do with them. We are all walking our own spiritual path. Whether we grew up in a religion or we're discovering a spiritual path now that really resonates with us, or we're kind of putting together what works for us by claiming different elements from different religions and spiritual practices, we are all in our own little bubble. I like to think of, and I don't know if you guys have seen this, but... I grew up watching George Jetson, right? He had this great bubble car. And just in case you've never seen George Jetson, it was a very simple drawing of a car. But instead of a top, it was just this bubble of glass and it would just pop right open so that he could get in and out. And I sort of see us all as floating around in our own bubble car that is our body. And it looks like our heads are out in the world with everyone else, but really, We are just surrounded by all these experiences and expectations, and it's coloring how we see each other and the world. So just to stop and recognize that everyone around you has just as many preconceived ideas, hopes, dreams, goals as you do, and that as you bump into each other, you're not seeing the same picture. There's a a great old story about people surrounding an elephant and getting very close to the elephant so that they can describe it even better, right? I'm sure you can see where I'm going with this. If you're standing right by the eye of the elephant, well, you're going to see lashes and you're going to see an eyeball. If you're standing on the side of the elephant, you're going to see that crazy wrinkled skin. And if you're standing by the tail, well, that's another view altogether, right? When each person is describing the elephant, they are describing what they see, but they're all seeing different things because they're from different perspectives. The same thing can be said of eyewitness testimony after accidents or in legal proceedings. We bring those preconceived ideas. We can only see it from the place that we are standing. Was the man that robbed the bank tall or short? 
Well, a lot of that's going to be based on your perspective, right? I mean, I'm five foot two. Most people are tall by my view. My partner is six foot two. He has a different perspective. Along with considering our own view of situations, there's value in remembering that every other person is looking at us from their perspective. I'd like to share a story with you that really makes me very vulnerable, but it has been a real teaching experience for me, and I hope that you can take something away from it. So when I was 21, I met the man that I would fall in love with and marry. I was 21. He was 36. He was handsome and smart and charming and talented, and I just thought he was amazing and funny in the quirkiest way. (laughs) Anyway, um, our first real date, he forgot that his niece was getting married. So our first real date was his niece's wedding. And his sister came up to me dressed absolutely gorgeous and flailing her hands and saying, I'm blind. I'm blind. The doctor says it's hysterical blindness because I've been so stressed out about this wedding. So my very first moment of meeting this person was, wow, right? I I really didn't know what to think. My 21-year-old brain had no context for this. I don't know what she remembers about me from that first meeting, but she and her sister decided over time that I wasn't in love with their brother, but that I was an opportunist, just looking for somebody that had money or connection to money because they had money. Mind you, he did not. They did not know, nor did they probably care, that my mother had money in her family, nor did they realize or care that I actually um, had some aversion to people that were opulently wealthy and lived their lives that way. I just didn't feel all that comfortable in their presence. As a matter of fact, I couldn't hardly make myself open the door to go into these houses because they were just so not what I felt comfortable with. They were smart, and they were very socially adept. They treated me lovingly, and I absolutely believed that they loved me and that they thought I was a good person. One tried harder than the other, (laughs) gotta say. One didn't really go to that much trouble to convince me that she liked me. She was actually a lot more honest with her feelings, I think. But the bottom line is, both of these women had decided something about me And nothing I ever said or did was going to change their minds. I was married to their brother for 20 years. When we had our first child, I went back to work. After my second child, it didn't make sense financially. At the time, my husband made more than twice what I made in salary. Between the cost of daycare and the fact that our first child was now old enough for school and had to be taken to school and picked up, and she also had after-school activities. It just made more sense for me to stay home. So that's what we decided together. After our third child was born, my husband became ill. And so he could not work in the workplace anymore. He stayed home with our youngest. And I worked three jobs to pay the bills. And none of this convinced these women that I was anything but a gold digger. They had their idea about me And absolutely everything I did still somehow supported it. We lost our home. Looking back on it, I still wonder how the heck they could hold that opinion of me. But they did. After 20 years of marriage, it was time for me to leave 
there was abuse going on and it was unhealthy for me to stay. I also felt that I was, by staying, um, endorsing his behavior, which was not acceptable. So I left the marriage. And of course, this just was the final nail in the coffin. Those sisters, they knew that this was proof that I wasn't going to stick around in this marriage because I was a gold digger. (laughs) Sadly, three years after our divorce, my kid's dad, my ex-husband, he passed away. And the sisters just could not have been more horrible. Um, They made that so much worse than it already was, even on my kids. It took me a while to understand. Although I wasn't angry at them, even as I was going through the situation, because I knew they just lost their brother, who they really loved. And they were absolutely devastated and doing the best they could with the circumstances. Now, after all was said and done, they pulled some very bizarre stunts uh, through this situation. I still encouraged my children to have relationships with these women because they are a link to their dad. Despite the fact that they really made my life a living hell when I was going through one of the most difficult times in my life, I could see that my children had the potential to have relationships with these women that was not the relationship I had because their perspective of me was set. Nothing was going to change it. Therefore, they are not people who are for me. I have no desire to have them in my life in any way whatsoever, and I feel absolutely no obligation to do so either. When I look in their eyes, what I see reflected back at me is heartbreaking, and I'm not going to subject myself to that, and I am not going to force them to be in the presence of somebody who they disdain that much. Because their opinion of me has nothing to do with me in reality, I don't resent them. I'm not angry at them. I have no desire to change their mind. It just doesn't matter to me because it's not about me. And if you have someone in your life that's made up a narrative about you based on their ideas, and you know that it has nothing to do with you, know that you are not alone. Probably every person walking the planet right now has somebody in their life that has made up some idea about them, and you may have even made up your mind about other people and hold opinions about them that has nothing to do with them. It's just part of surviving as a human being. We make assumptions to keep ourselves safe. I will never know exactly why these women made these assumptions about me. I can guess. The bottom line is, it doesn't matter. I can respect their decision and just leave them be. And I hope you can do the same with the people in your lives that have made decisions about you that don't match up with your truth. Another thing that really changes our perspective is life experience. I remember having a conversation with my brother who did not have children. We are in our 50s, and he is still angry at our parents for actions they took when we were little children. My father leaving my mother, for instance, is something that he can never forgive. For me, I see my dad leaving our family as a blessing. He is a difficult man to live with. 
I can't imagine what my childhood, well, I can imagine what my childhood and um, teen years would have been like if, if I was living with my dad and he had say over my life. Uh, my dad was physically abusive with me in mean little ways, like forcing me to hold something hot until I raised a blister on my hand. So seeing him essentially Friday night to Sunday morning, twice a month, that was probably enough. <laughs> so I see his leaving as probably the best thing that possibly could have happened for me. So my brother did not gain the perspective that I did when I had my children, which is parents are not anything special. We're just people who happen to have children, and we're all just doing the best we can. And having a child doesn't change who you are at all. It just amplifies whatever you got, man. I mean, if you're playful, you may be more playful. If you're childlike, you may be more childlike. But if you're scared and you were abused as a child, sometimes it turns you into the abuser. And having children gave me that perspective. And I'm not saying that you have to have kids in order to shift this perspective. That's one of the miraculous things about perspective. And that is that we can shift our own perspective. I'm just going to throw out three ways that I use to shift my perspective when I'm having a hard time. But there are many, many, many more. I could probably do a whole podcast just on shifting perspective. The first tool I want to talk about is trying to see the situation from another person's point of view, like my former sisters-in-law. I recognized that they saw me as this person. Everything I did, <laughs> no matter what I said, supported their view. But once we shift that, right, once we are able to see the situation from the other person's point of view, we can then take the power away from them to influence us. So in the instance of my sisters-in-law, I don't believe what they see as me, no matter how well-founded it is in their minds, is me. They have no power to tell me who I am. I can even look back on positive experiences I had with them, laughing around a dinner table, that kind of thing and feel good about it, and remember the good things and what I was taught by them without feeling animosity toward them, because I've taken the power from them to make me feel bad. We can take a long view. In a year, are we going to remember this interaction? <laughs> are we going to remember how this situation made us feel? Sometimes when you just project ahead a year and pretend to look back on the situation you're in now— that can really take some power away from it to make us feel bad. Finally, thinking about your highest and best. How is sitting in the situation that's making you feel bad, how is that in your highest or best? Sometimes, as my first sponsor told me, that you don't need to sit in your own poo just because it's warm and squishy. Sometimes you just got to stand up and walk away from something or someone and shift your perspective by changing your mind about what you're going to focus on. What project do you have? What goal can you set for yourself? What can you create positively going forward that is not about this negative situation? Just a little side note, I want to let you know about that bully from school. Uh, I was looking for a classmate back in the days of phone books, and I used a phone book to try to find this old classmate. 
And the only name I could find in the phone book in the neighborhood where I used to live was my bully. And I called him on the phone. He answered and my heart dropped and my you know mouth went dry. And I said, look, I, I'm sure I'm the last person you ever want to speak to again, but I'm looking for so-and-so. And, uh, and my bully broke down and told me that he regretted treating me the way he did and that he prayed for an opportunity to apologize. And he just couldn't believe I had called his house and he got a chance to do that. So I thought that was pretty miraculous and just crazy to this day. And it took a lot of the sting out of, uh, out of those early encounters. However, the fact of the matter is, having him do that all those years did put grooves in my old brain that I still jump when there's a really big guy next to me that I'm not expecting. Thank you so much for listening to the Practically Spiritual Show. I hope you enjoyed this episode and take away something that has value for you. If you think of someone who you believe would enjoy the show, I'd be so honored if you'd tell them about it. I make it pretty easy to reach out to me. I have a website for the show, thepracticallyspiritualshow.com, a website just for me and all my artsy work at laurapalatin.com. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. I'd love to hear from you if you have an idea for the show. Until next time, take care of yourselves. And remember, there is no them. There really is only us. Thanks for listening to the Practically Spiritual Show. I mean it. Thank you so much for sticking around to the end. It means so much to me. I love you. See you next time. Bye-bye.